Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to another episode of WA Expose podcast about local arts by local artists. I'm your host, Aria Scarlett, with the immense privilege of recording this podcast on Wajak Noongar Budja. To gain a full perspective on the local art scene, it's important to examine how we are portrayed in local media. Today's guest has been embedded in the local arts and media scene as an editor of Out in Perth, a broadcaster and the owner of Spearins Media. As absolutely tragic as I know my next sentence is going to sound to anyone with a journalism degree, the 24-hour news cycle has meant that news, broadcasting and journalism in itself tragically crosses over into entertainment more than it does news so often now. But while trauma porn seems to dominate our minds, I'm delighted to be chatting to someone who focuses on LGBTQIA advocacy, social justice, the arts and pop culture. Of course, I'm talking about Lee Andrew Hill. How are you? Hello. What an intro. Thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. Very deserving intro. I try and get in all the stuff about you as much as I possibly can. <laughs> stuff I've forgotten. There you go. <laughs> well, I was stalking your LinkedIn. So. <laughs> oh, I forgot I had that too. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, okay, so let's jump in with the only question I have, and that's why arts media? Okay, that is a good question. Um, I guess I'll start from the beginning. So I often tell people that, you know, journalism isn't my passion. And I don't, yeah, I don't mean to say that to dismiss the work I've done or that out in Perth has done. Um, so I was, it took me nine years to do my bachelor's degree because I just kept chopping and changing. And, yeah. you know, I started off studying performance and then film and television. And then I ended up uh, at UWA to finish my degree and they didn't have like a dedicated film course. So mm-hmm. I doubled up with media studies and art history because I could do cinema stuff in both of those fields. Yeah, okay, real pick and mix. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. so (laughs) I tried a little bit of everything. Um, And then for my last unit, I did an internship and um, happened to land out in Perth. Yeah. And um, I wasn't particularly connected to the LGBTQA plus community. I didn't really have many queer friends, you know, a lot of internalised homophobia, like I'm not like them. I've only (laughs) got straight friends. Yeah, Yeah, I'm different. (laughs) stupid, just yeah. young. Um, and, but after, you know, starting out in Perth, I found a real connection to something, which was our community, our LGBTQA plus community here in Perth. Um, and there's just so much overlap with the arts and yeah. that is where my experience lies. So I was able to go into it with arts experience. You know, I was excited about going to shows, writing reviews, interviewing, you know, international drag queens on drag race, that kind of thing. <laughs> yes, yeah, um, all the things that make us all really giddy, yeah. Yeah. But then I found, you know, I I had a knack for the journalism side of things too and I mm. found causes that I was passionate about. I, you know, I, f- I could hold powerful people to account by writing a story about the homophobic things, the transphobic things that they'd said. Yeah. I could influence health policy like little old me could write an article and then we could see changes in you know 
uh, prep access here in WA. Yeah, like, um, but your question was why arts media? So it's okay. Yes. You can go wherever you want <laughs> from there. I'll forget in like three seconds what I asked you anyway. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so yeah, it's that was where. Uh, my education was, and that's where I started writing. Um, and yeah, there was just so much overlap in community media with queer artists and you know queer advocates and our community in general. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so tell me a little bit more about your experience at the start of Out in Perth when you like. It seems like it really opened your mind up to like a whole new side of your own community and just like a bit of your, like you were saying, your internalized homophobia and some yeah. stuff that you had to work through there as well. Totally. Like, like tell me a little bit about that. Like that experience must have been really emotional. <laughs> yeah, it was an eye opener. Um, I mean, I was lucky that Graham Watson was the editor at the time and he's now my business partner in Experience Media and out in Perth. Um, and, you know, I, I, I not realize I'm saying this to a bunch of artists, but I've never seen somebody work so hard. Um, they're just so passionate about what they do. And, you know, he was just working himself sick, but that, that passion was infectious. Yeah. It, it, he got me really interested in politics and what we could do as writers to influence that. Um, he got me really interested in, you know, helping raise up voices in our community that aren't being heard you know, making sure that you, um, I was connected with all of the local organisations like uh, Grey, who advocate for older LGBTQA plus people, uh, trans folk, you know, I was meeting all of these amazing advocates that had the same passions as Graham. And I, yeah, it, it, it took over. I was like, this is, these are my people. And I'm so excited to be part of this. That's incredible. So although you were saying like at the start that like no journalism wasn't the thing that, you know, you were eight years old being like, that's what I'm going to be. Yeah. Um, you got into it like through a slightly different angle of like finding out who you were first and then stepping into that pathway. Do you think that if, if things had gone a bit differently, you just would have ignored journalism completely? Yeah. But I think what I've learned from being a journalist for the last decade now is um, storytelling is the common theme between all of these things I love and like to write mm, about, you yes. know, whether it's um, encouraging people to go and hear a story at Yuriyakin or whether it's telling my own story through an opinion piece or, um, you know, helping Youth Pride Network make a podcast. It's, I'm really passionate about telling my story, but also making sure other people are able to tell their stories and share them with the world because I love hearing them. I love hearing stories from people who aren't like me. I don't want to see myself on screens. I don't want to see – I know for a lot of people it's very important to to see themselves reflected in our media, And but I want to hear from the people who aren't like me. I want mm. to know of their experiences, see how I can relate to them, see what I can learn from them, and I just think it makes – for a better world for everyone, really. Yeah, completely. You're like a digital librarian. Yeah. Collecting all of these <laughs> stories and tales, but in like more of a modern context. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, okay, so my brain's buzzing because this is so incredibly cool. As a, somebody who loves to collect like stories and storytelling and that sort of thing, um, what do you think um, that has to, like when it comes to journalism, I'm not sure if I'm wording this properly at all. That's fine. I'll cut out my bullshit later. <laughs> um is it difficult to find like a line between like journalism, which like strictly sometimes can be taught as being like non-biased and you have to like follow direct lines and storytelling is in itself quite an emotional thing. Where do you find the balance between the two? Mm, that's a good question. I think, um, you know, Graham and I have always been aligned on what we think 
journalism is mm. and we do go out of our way to ensure that our bias is reduced as possible. But I, we also both believe that it's very easy for conservative media to frame things as the middle when it's not, you know? Ooh, okay, interesting. Explain you, that to me more. Well, you, the, the Australian has a whole section dedicated to talking gender, which really means talking about trans people without yes. lending any trans voices to that story. And, you know, we're a very small publication. Sometimes we write stories about our trans family as well without a trans voice in the story. But we're not – the middle is not transphobia. Transphobia is – Yes, right. Yeah. It is, it's not unbiased. Mm. You, can, you can call that out and still be an ethical journalist. I think that's the right thing to do. Yes. Um, so that actually comes quite easy to me. I think, you know, yeah, it, there's a lot of very powerful – right-wing conservative-focused publications in this country, mm. if not most of the mainstream ones. And um, it's a great privilege to be able to lend a voice to people and combat that and say, hang on a minute, you can't keep saying these things like that's normal. Completely, it's, yeah. it's, it's completely inappropriate to totally. have a totally dedicated section to slamming on trans people. Mm, entirely. And like when your focus is to tell people's real story rather than just scream into the void the same repeated opinion week after week, which is what these publications tend to do, in my opinion anyway, mm. um, then at least you're focusing on humanity because your stories are often based in a single experience or like a grouped experience. You're yeah. focusing on a person rather than just a fear. Yeah. Um, I suppose the other thing is something you learn very quickly, I think if you work in any sector of the LGBTQIA plus community is um, our community is not a monolith, obviously. Mm. You know, it, it encompasses every gender, every race, every ethnicity, every age group. And you can't even say, you know, the only group we don't include is cisgender uh, heterosexuals because some intersex people <laughs> would identify <laughs> as both of those yeah. things. So we, we are everybody. Um, and we're never, no matter how many staff we had, we are never going to be able to truly represent the full breadth of our community. But we can, I think it's our responsibility to filter through these things and condense it into, you know, what the majority of our community is fighting for, what is needed, what the underrepresented and the underserved sections of our community need and make sure that's on the front pages. Completely. Does that seem like a bit of an overwhelming emotional labour intense task when it comes to comparing to like these incredibly large and daunting publications that just have dollar after dollar thrown at them. And, and meanwhile, you know, you're just sitting there being like, and I've got truth on my side and, <laughs> yeah. and love. And isn't that terrifying? Well, you know, these things come down to money sometimes, sadly. I can't tell you how many legal threats I've had to deal with <laughs> oh, and just kill shit. a story because, you know, we don't have the budget to fight these larger organisations. Um, but, you know, all we can do is... Uh, make sure all of our stories are accurate and based in fact and, mm. and we're speaking to the right people and um, I stand by everything we've done. Completely. I mean, do you think social media has helped in that sense because, like, we're all so used to screaming our opinion out with no <laughs> fact check, yeah. even if it is, like, based in, like, you know, uh, you know, something you love or something that is good in its foundation but you're just yelling stuff. Yeah. Um, does that assist in your ability to be able to say what you want to say? Do you think it negatively impacts that? Um. Yeah, that's a pretty multifaceted one as well. I think on a personal level, 
Um, you know, I was the kind of person before I was a journalist who would just take long breaks from social media just because, mm. you know, for me, uh, recharging for me is like having alone time, chilling out, playing video games, mm. like doing nothing, not. Whereas for other people, I know that's being around loved ones and, and being on social media and being seen. Um, so I, I've had that internal conflict. Um, and I, I also, you know, I still, even all, after all this time, sometimes struggle with maybe the imposter syndrome or maybe, you know, not wanting to take up space that isn't mine. Yeah. I just want to be like, hey, I'm here in solidarity. I'm here as an ally. Um, and sometimes I think that means being silent and just, or not being silent, but uh, elevating other people's voices. Listening. And opinions yeah. And listening. listening. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, back to your question about has social media helped? Um, yes, I think it helps a lot in... Um, letting individuals and, you know, underrepresented people speak for themselves mm. and say, hey, you know, if you want to broadcast what I've just said, do that. That has been positive, I think. Um, on the flip side, though, I think, yeah, sometimes nuanced conversations are thrown out the window when you can only <laughs> write in 140 characters or whatever's allowed totally, on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's your job as a journalist to say things that people don't want to hear. Um, yes, okay, yeah. And that is a hard part of the job. But, um, yeah, and coming back to what you were saying before about bias, you know, sometimes that does mean not telling people what to think but, you know, saying to your own community, hey, maybe we should have more of a conversation about this rather than just saying, I heard this on Twitter, so this is how things are now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're just a part of the same gossip treadmill. Yeah, or, exactly. Treadmill? Hmm. Maybe more of like a hamster wheel. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the hamster. Treadmill <laughs> falling off the back. <laughs> yeah. So um, when you're talking about like saying things that nece not necessarily people are like ready or willing to hear, mm -hmm. can you explain a little bit about that process for you? Yeah, let me try and think of a, a good example. Um, I mean, even just today, I was having a conversation with a friend who'd seen something on social media that was looking at... Um, adding more letters to the LGBTQIA plus acronym. Yep. Um, wrong time to get that wrong. <laughs> uh, and they were like, oh, do we need this, you know, complaining about it. And I think this is endemic of the social media thing is um, I was just like, this is one person on social media. Why have you taken this to heart? Why do you think this is what's happening? One person has said, hey, maybe we should do this. And then the reactionary response is, oh, we're adding more letters to the acronym. What is our community becoming? And yeah, all as this if the stuff, person, like, the original just, poster had the power to make that yeah, change anyway. Just rein it yeah. in. Just rein it in. I mean, uh, and we've seen it in our own community with um, uh, people sharing uh, discomfort with the different kinds of uh, progress flags and adding black and brown stripes. Yeah. Um, you know, people have shared opinions ranging from on both sides of politics there, uh, not both sides, but, you know, the, the far left and the far right. Yeah. And I I just don't understand why a community like ours wouldn't put inclusion first and try and uplift people rather than just saying, this flag is ugly, so let's ditch it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, like sometimes totally, you just yeah. have to say to people, let's rein it in. Yeah, and a lot of like that discussion, you have to like understand why people are asking for there to be a change in the first place rather yeah. than just assuming that people are asking for a change because they want their colour or their whatever 
front and center when more than likely it's because the original flag or the original representation of something didn't include them. Yeah, of course. That's exactly it. I mean, <laughs> this is what things move forward. The like, same reason our country's flag needs to change. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Language moves forward. Cultural representations move forward. Yes. And you got to keep up. That's just it. <laughs> you got to keep up. You got to keep moving. Yeah. So from there, tell me a little bit more about what Sparens Media is hoping to accomplish um, in its in the current form and like in forms moving forward. Yeah. Well, this is where we can talk a bit more about the arts as well, I think. Cause, um, yep, that's where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll tell you a little bit about the story of my experience with that in Perth first because that, that will lead into how we founded Great. I'm going to sit back. Media. I love a monologue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, like I said, I was an intern and <clears throat> I finished my internship and uh, Graham offered me a full-time journalist position. And I was only there for about a year when the old owners went into liquidation, um, which was literally – and I should clarify, like, out in Perth was three of us, me, Graham, and a salesperson, but there was a much larger company that ran it and their business was to make signs. So oh, okay. we were just like – you know, the, the owners were queer people. They wanted to keep out in Perth going, so we were, like, literally on a mezzanine floor above a warehouse – well, like trying to interview, you know, Courtney Act while they're banging sheet metal downstairs. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, one day I was at work, just a regular day, and I picked up the phone and the woman on the other end said, what are you doing there? And I said, excuse me? And she's like, this business doesn't exist anymore. What are you doing there? Oh, fuck. And I had to go downstairs. The managers were all out. So I had to go downstairs and tell these tradie blokes like, hey, I'm pretty sure we all just got fired. Um, and then the owners came back and they were so... <laughs> They're so, like, laissez-faire about it all. Just like, oh, yeah, this has happened. I'm like, you've just told, like, 20 people we don't have a job. Anyway, so Graham and I uh, had a whirlwind couple of days. Um, shout out to Bree Maddox at the court for giving us free drinks when we got that <laughs> news. Um, and we were like, we could buy this because, you know, we were such a small – out in Perth was such a small part of that other business. Mm. Um, the liquidators didn't really think much of it. Oh, they um, hadn't put any value in it. No. So they came back to us and said, yeah, give us a figure. And we were like, what do you want? <laughs> we didn't have any money. And they were like, okay, five figures. And we were like, well, that's between 10000 and 99999 And they were like, yeah, figure it out. <laughs> 10001 so, Yeah. So we begged, stole and borrowed from our families and friends and the community so graciously gave to a GoFundMe um, and we were able to buy out in Perth, which meant we had to set up a company. That's a truly like social like enterprise then from yeah, that point on, yes. which is really amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you. Uh, so, yeah, we set up the company Spirins Media because we both have Scottish heritage and Spirins is an old Scottish word that means to seek news and information. Things so, I learned this morning. Yes, <laughs> Googling. We liked that. Um, and I guess it was all, you know, we had to – pick up the ball and start running. But also we were already trying to figure out like what is a media company in this generation? Mm. Like how do you stand out from the crowd? You know, you mentioned before the 24-hour news cycle, like uh, there's two of us with our laptops, like who work other jobs to try and keep the lights on. Like yep. we, we can't possibly Take keep 12 up. 12 hours each. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We just can't possibly keep up. So yeah, I mean, it's still a journey we're on, but we set up Spirience Media so that we could be a media company, not just a publisher, so that there's more opportunities for us to support the arts and, you know, 
we've got a few projects in the works that I can't really talk about, but <laughs> exclusive. Um, yeah, so there's there's going to be plenty more opportunities for us to get even deeper into the arts in the future because of the way we've set up this company. We don't, we have out in Perth, we're going to keep out in Perth strong, it's going to keep growing and our next task is going to be to figure out, you know, how do we do better to support the arts and, you know, also do it as a business so that it's beneficial to us as well. Well, yes, at yeah. some point it has to be beneficial to you maybe. Yeah. <laughs> One I, day, yeah. you're lucky. <laughs> well, you know, you, you called our, our business a social enterprise and that's what we call it as well. And um, I think people forget that writers, uh, journalists, arts workers too. That's totally it. That's why, that's why, I asked <laughs> that's why I'm here. That's <laughs> yeah. why you're here because it's yeah. completely an artistic pursuit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, uh, the nature of the job uh, is whether I'm, uh, writing for out in Perth or whether I was at RTR is you are an observer. So you're in this strange middle ground where you are part of the arts, but you also have to be slightly removed to be able to observe and to appear unbiased, to be unbiased. But, you know, obviously I've made friends with a lot of these people. Perth's yeah. arts community is very small. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's a big balancing act all the time. And at some point, I don't know, why be biased when everything is just so full of hate? And if you can be a beacon that is more towards like light and acceptance. Yeah. But like, oh, that's kind of biased because it's not like shitting on people. Then yeah. I don't even care about it anymore. That's the funny thing. And maybe you've experienced this and maybe your other guests can speak to it as well. But I think a lot of people, I, I mean, when I was growing up, like I would see arts reviews in the West or whatever and the ones that would get attention are the ones that were taking things down. Mm. And I guess, you know, I, I'm a, I have to admit, like, when I was younger, like, you know, it's like, oh, that's funny. Like, you know, they've they've written in a creative way, but, you know, then you realise at the core of it, they're just like, oh, they're just, like, ripping on this show. Like, where's the constructive criticism? Like, mm. and I think that's something I learned very quickly as a journalist. Like, I'd go to shows and be like, I didn't like this show, but now my challenge is to find a constructive way to say that without yes. just being like, this was crap, I hated it because it doesn't match with my tastes. Like, who does that help? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it can get really difficult because especially around like those festival times when mm -hmm. there are well, something like 700 like shows and yep. they would all like a reviewer to be there on the first and second night. Yes. And you end up you end up with somebody who is, I'm sure, incredibly lovely people, but their genre is sports. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So e even in that sense, they can't give you what you're looking for besides just to say like, I had an amazing time, five stars, or mm -hmm. to just like completely shit on it and there's nothing, Yeah, there's absolutely nothing in between. So I imagine it would be really hard in those spaces for you to write any sort of review that had more substance to it than just being like, am I writing you something because you want a quote for your next poster? Because mm -hmm. if you want that, just tell me you want that. Oh, I've seen some very, very clever artists who will take a bad review and find the one like three words next to each other that are positive and it's on their poster. I love And that. all power to them. I think <laughs> that's great. Yeah, because it. <laughs> it means my magazine's on their poster as well, so I'm happy. There you, <laughs> there you go. So how do you find a way to like um, to pass out criticism to people? I think it just, I mean, it, it has to come with experience, I think. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm lucky that because I bounced around in my nine years of a three years bachelor degree, I do have firsthand experience with acting with uh, film and TV production with uh, theatre. So I, I have some experience, but also both Graham and I believe the arts are for everyone to enjoy. Mm. So I think 
you have to really consider that when you're writing a review. You know, you can you can point out like, yes, this dance piece is based in, you know, this school of dance and it reminds me, of, you know, Graham has a dance background so he can wax lyrical about ballet and, and the big names of dance. Uh, whereas, you know, if I went and saw a ballet show, I might be like, pretty. Yeah, <laughs> looks nice. That's the challenge. Um, yeah, I think you have to take a step back and be like, okay, so I know, you know, say my sense of humor doesn't align with most people's. So I'm not going to go into this thinking like if they didn't make me laugh, it's not funny to anyone because everyone else in the room is laughing. I didn't. That doesn't mean it's a bad show. I I have to take that into account. Yeah. And, you know, I wouldn't write in the review, I didn't laugh, but everyone else did. (laughs) I just, you know, you would. The room room was laughing. Yeah, you would would find a way to phrase it so that it's, you know, not nasty but also – constructive, mm. you, you know, because that is what they should take away from that. You have made the room laugh, but yeah. you didn't make the reviewer laugh. But I'm not your audience. I'm, I'm totally. one person, and, so I that's mean, fine. Yeah, otherwise you'd be putting yourself in some sort of position of like hierarchical power because yeah. you'd be like, my laugh or my enjoyment of this thing matters above all yeah, that's gross. to other people, which is like not what anything you do is about anyway. No, 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 no. And, you know, I'm sure if somebody listened to this and dug through my reviews, there's probably one or two snarky comments <laughs> in the <laughs> archives. Uh, I, I probably should have checked before I said that, but there you go. No, it's not it's on record now. <laughs> Everything you've always written has been, like, really well considered. <laughs> Thank you. It's okay. Like, I'm pretty sure that my mom is, like, the main listener and she's, I don't think she's about to dig through your archives. I think, <laughs> I think you're all good. Okay, good. You're all good currently. Um, that's a really good point to, like, like take our little break and go mm-hmm. to some ads and we come back. I'd love to talk more. Let's dive really into the local art scene here in Perth. Yes, let's do it. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We're back. I still have the pleasure of talking with Lee Andrew Hill. And before we went to break, um, I think I was talking about like let's getting more into the local art scene here in Perth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in particular, over the incredible amount of like shows that you've had the privilege of like seeing and getting like really into with like the different artists and all that sort of stuff, is there anything that you'd like to change about the local art scene? That's a good question. Um, well, yeah, like I said, I you know, I'm in that weird space where I'm an observer in a semi-outsider. That's why I love so, this question. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I guess I can't really speak to what's happening behind the scenes. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I, I suppose um, you do tend, I think this would be the nature of any city, not just Perth or Bulu, but 
sometimes you see a lot of the same people on stages many times over mm. and there's no space to um, let newbies get up and give things a go and, and share their talents. And, you know, I can understand from producers' points of view, uh, you don't want to take a risk, especially in a post-COVID world where we've seen how quickly uh, arts livelihoods can be absolutely shattered. Yep, got it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, but I have to say, like, having said that, Perth is doing an amazing job of making that space it, and it's being made by the people who want to make the space for themselves. Yeah. You know, they're not waiting for producers to say, I'll give you a shot. They're putting on their own shows. Um, you know, we see like WXPOSE, we see um, <laughs> uh, Cleo's Big Gay Cabaret, yep. we see things like the events Spooler Justice put on, like Decolonize Pride. Yeah, that, that, and that stage was just full of like talent you don't see all of the time, but they mm. were all such incredible performers. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's what I want to see more of. Okay, let's like let's dive into that just a little bit more. So yeah. when um you're going out to shows and events, uh, are you purchasing a ticket or getting your free ticket? Like, is it based on who you see in the lineup? Do you think that might be why producers and directors and that are going like, well, if I've got these three names, I know that I'm going to sell tickets. And selling tickets right now is hard. Yeah, I think yeah, that's probably it. I mean, yeah. So I I tend to go along to shows that have asked for a review. It's it's been a while since I've actively out a show besides you know I'm lucky enough to get free tickets so I'll go along to support <laughs> my queer pals when they're doing stuff but um yeah I think you know like we were saying before the producers will think I need recognizable names on this lineup to sell tickets it must be so scary to try and fill a room right now yeah um you know you think post-covid maybe some people would be more excited to get out of the house and and support the community, but there's still a lot of fear and I, I understand why. I think in Western Australia the trend that I keep seeing is that, like, people seem to be getting more door sales, which is fine, but it's really hard to, like, pitch your next yeah, show based on door sales. Um, but unfortunately it is, it's a dead-end street. Like, if you continue to promote the same people, which is fine, they're incredible performers and, yes. like, all props to them, of course, um, you'll run out. You'll yeah. run to the end of your street. <laughs> you'll run to the yeah. end of the road. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously, I, I don't know how to solve that problem. Um, no, you don't need to. We're not solvers here. We're, <laughs> yeah. we're complainers. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm, yeah, I, I'm very optimistic that Perth is doing a good job. And I should clarify, you know, I, I painted all producers with the same brush there. Like there are plenty of great producers who are making sure you know, youngsters and up-and-comers are getting the opportunities that oh, they need. Oh, for sure. Need. You listed some incredible shows and I'm sure there are there are many, many more that just aren't coming top of our head right now. Yeah. There, are, there are a lot of incredible spaces, but obviously we aren't putting them on main stages enough. Like, mm -hmm. like for example, Cherry Bomb, which is a phenomenal underground yeah. show, where how do we get those artists from that stage onto like a main theatre stage, for example, and not on at 1am but on at an hour yeah. that more people get to see them? That's a difficult, difficult one to like cross is like making it more accessible for yeah, those artists. For totally. Sure. I guess on the flip side and, um, you know, uh, speaking as a reviewer, I think, like I said, I, I want these new artists to be able to have these opportunities to show themselves. But, um, yeah, we need 
a new talent and and I don't I keep framing this like it's young people I mean like anybody mm. you know maybe you haven't been on a stage for a while maybe you you're in your 60s and you've never performed in your life and you just really want to so go do it um but I think there also has to be some support networks some training some cultivation of talent I think you know um be able to put on a good show still and mm. if somebody's performing for the first time they're probably not going to be the best performer and that's okay. So yeah, totally. I think, yeah, if there were more spaces to uh, cultivate new talent rather than, you know, just having to go to Whopper or something. <laughs> exactly what I was going to say yeah. is that, like, you need an accessible place to cultivate that talent because not everybody can go <laughs> can yeah. spend the next five years at an institution. Yeah, exactly. Or, or afford to pay for it, even with Hex. So, yeah, yep. <laughs> um, yeah it would be great to see more programs um, – yeah, more initiatives, training people up, making sure that, you know, they have that stage presence. They they cultivate that talent. They know how to work an audience rather than just um, plopping them on stage and saying go. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> yeah. And if you're at the end of this and it wasn't very good, we all took a video and now you can never get up again. Yeah. That's something that's also really hard is that, like, I know for a fact that I've had shows where I've sung fine, mm-hmm. but if that had been, like, captured and filmed and immediately put out into the ethos for everyone to see and make comment on, I don't know if I'd be in the same place that I am now because I could have been judged by like a song that I sung in 2012 and Mm. it wasn't quite, like it wasn't quite up to scuff because I was 18 or whatever. Like, you know, like it wasn't there yet. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. That must be very tricky as well. I mean, and that's something I try to consider when reviewing things, you know. Maybe someone's just having a bad night. doesn't mean it was a bad show. Mm. Um, Or, you know. If the tech goes wrong, that has nothing to do with the the performers. Yeah, and I mean, know? especially at like, um, I'm not trying to like shit on Fringe or anything, but like it's a great example of when the turnover between shows is 15 minutes or less. It's mm-hmm. a lot of pressure on your sound and lights people that's yeah. like a, a lot of shows they have to remember and have notes for and suddenly swap from one genre of arts to another. And I can't imagine being under that sort of pressure I'm no. already I'm already annoyed when I <laughs> <laughs> enough when I've got to be in like more than one show a night during that time yeah. of year, let alone actually having to run all of them. Yeah. I mean I feel that I feel that intensity even just like, you know, preparing to do a live radio show, just like, you know, clutching the desk five minutes before we go to air. Like I can't <laughs> imagine having to, you know, set up all your tech equipment, make sure you're not you don't have all the cues from the last show, like it, the stress <laughs> they must be under. It must be absolutely nuts. I can't like come in, like say praise them enough mm-hmm. for the work that yeah. they do. Um, one thing that I think uh, interested me a couple of times it, you were saying about like your involvement in the scene and reviewing it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Has it been difficult for you to be like as you get more and more involved in the scene, it, you're gonna make friends and you're gonna like mm-hmm. meet incredible people because you see their shows more than once. Blah blah blah. Is it hard to then go back and review them? on like a clean slate or would you just send somebody else because like we're friends now and I can't do it? Yeah, there's definitely been a few artists where I won't review them anymore because we've become too close outside of, you know, their arts character or or me as a reviewer. But um, no, it's pretty easy for me to separate. I I think the challenge there is um, hoping that they don't take it personally (laughs) if (laughs) I have a criticism. Like I've come to support your show I'm writing this review not to shit on it, but so that you have something to share and say, hey, this is what this person liked about my show. Maybe you will too. Mm. Um, And, you know, even if it's just, you know, you've got a a four-star rating to share or you've got a nice quote from my review, like I've 
gone and worked for free tickets. Let's yes, be real. So completely, I'm yeah. trying to help you. Yeah, and that's you did just not in pay the moment. Me. Yes, <laughs> and that's just in the moment, let alone like the time afterwards to like take the scribbles that you have like written mm-hmm. down somewhere on the notes app in your phone and actually translate that into something people can read. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't say that to sound arrogant, but I, I think... Oh, my um, God, don't. You're <laughs> very good at what you do. <laughs> no, but I think um, yeah, sometimes, like I said before, people forget we're arts workers too, and they're like, mm. what are you going to do for me? And I'm like, what are you going to do for me? <laughs> <laughs> you get to come see the show, and it's like, yep, that's a job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's work. I love the show, but it's still work. It's I'm still sorry. Work. Ah, <laughs> and it must be even more of almost a pressure cooker just because like when you're a community inside of a community inside of a community, mm-hmm. so you're already the most isolated city in the world. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> then you're in the arts, smaller scene again. Then you're in queer arts, which is a smaller scene again. So it'd yeah. be very hard not to know almost what, like 70% of the people who step out on stage. No wonder you need new talent to come out. <laughs> yeah. I want to get to know I want different people. Faces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but there's, there's so much happening in Perth. Um, I still have many new faces to see that I haven't seen yet but I've you know noticed their names coming up on on social media and and on headlining shows and um I'm excited I'm excited to see where the Perth art scene is going a few times we've mentioned that obviously as journalism and as being involved in arts media you yourself are an artist when it comes to your work how um how better can we recognize journalists as artists moving forward what can we do in the community um that's a good question. You can have a five-minute break. That's what I just <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 no. That, that is a very good question. I, you know, I've, I've taken the time to complain on the microphone that it doesn't feel like a two-way street, but I, I don't know what the solution is. That's a good question. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just remembering that we are artists in a business too, you know, yeah. and I think it's very easy. And I, I'm not talking about the small artists here, like, Graham and I talk about this a lot and our own Perth will never be pay to play. You know what I mean? Like mm. we are a social enterprise. We are here to serve the LGBTQA plus community and the arts community, especially when they overlap. And, you know, we're never going to say we won't write about your thing if you don't pay us. Yeah, but, you're not urban list. <laughs> <laughs> but on the flip side, um, we are also a small business who yes. also struggled through COVID. We were struggling before COVID and we were not <laughs> shy about telling people that. Um, and we, we have shared some news on our website that I can't go too deep into, but if you go to adamperth.com, we, um, have come into some funding. Uh, so there is a bright future ahead. Um, but yeah, I think a a lot of larger organizations specifically like to come to us and say, we're going to do you a favor by asking you to interview a cast member, write up that interview, publish that interview, go and review the show, share that review announce the show's on and then we're like, do you have an advertising budget? <laughs> What's that? No. <laughs> Never. No, we just expected you to, to do this for free. Yeah. And like you're saying, this isn't, we're not talking about small arts people no. here. We're talking about like bigger established groups that um, it's about time that they turn around and pick up. Yeah. And I, I got to say there's some great publicists and marketing people. Uh, no, I'm going to focus on the publicists. There's some great publicists in Perth who know that that's how it works. And mm-hmm. while they might not have control of the budget, I truly believe and trust that they are actually going back to their organisations and saying, we have to support the arts writers as well. Yes. Like they are the ones who are promoting our show for free at the moment mm. until we spend a budget with them. So that is positive. But um, 
I think it's just how people see media. They're like, you just love the art so much, so you want to come see a show. It's like, and you know, we do have a, a heavy volunteer based um, review system because Graham and my time, but also expertise, don't cover everything. Yeah, and completely. and again, like I said before, like. Um, we believe the arts is for everyone. So as long as we give them a little training to, to write, I think anyone should be able to write an arts review because anyone can buy a ticket and go see an art show. Yeah, it's completely. And anyone can yell into the void of social media. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so like may as well provide that training and that like backing to actually go forward. I think you have sort of provided not a solution, but just a plant for people's brains is to be like, assist those who helped you get to where you are. Yeah. So when you're starting off, no one is expecting you to like pay massive advertising fees or anything like that. But if you're the lucky ones of us who get to go to a certain point in your arts career, turn around and reach out your hand and pick up those yes. who are behind you. That would be lovely. Um, and yeah, you know, just to be clear, if you're putting on your first, second, third fringe show and you're struggling to eat dinner every day, <laughs> please don't think, oh no, I need to spend my last 50 bucks without in Perth. That is not what I'm saying. No. At this all. is a different, you have um, to be at a certain point. And yeah. Then, like I said, you turn around and you offer your hand back for those who helped you get to where you are now. Yeah. And, you know, if you are one of those people putting on your first fringe show and you're, you're a little queer baby artist, um, we are here to help you. You don't need to look at our media kit for that. We are here to spread the word. And on all of that, can you tell us where to find all of your incredible projects online so that little baby artists and the established artists and everybody else involved can reach out? Yeah. You can just get flooded with annoying messages. <laughs> um, so we are outinperth.com. Um, that's our website. That's where you see all of our articles, whether they're LGBTQA plus news or the arts or celebrity gossip. We try to stay <laughs> away from that, but sometimes we just can't help it because we know it gets clicked on. Um, <laughs> that's a whole other point, clickbait. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, we, yeah, we, we don't need to dig into that. We try to avoid clickbait titles, but sometimes it's just like Teresa Vaughn's you know, shirtless on Instagram, I might not care, but I know that's going to be the most read story yes, of the day. Yes, but if you get there for that, maybe you'll see the, yeah. <laughs> the show that's happening here on exactly. Friday night. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can catch us on uh, Facebook at Out in Perth, Instagram at Out in Perth, Twitter at Out in Perth, um, across those three. Um, you can also sign up to our e-newsletter from our website if you want a daily, week daily update on uh, the big headlines of the day. Which is a good one to be signed up to as I am because it's a, I like <laughs> it. I have fun there. Yeah, it's good to know. It's good to know that um, that, that seems to be uh, a really good entry point for people. Yeah, it's one of the few emails I still read. <laughs> that sounds really God. bad. I get so no, much crap emailed to me and I'm like, oh, I read this. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, stay tuned. We've got some big projects in the pipelines that we are, you know, still working out the nitty gritty. But um, yeah, there's some exciting things happening. And if you want to know what Lee's talking about, go to the show notes and click on all of the links that um, they all should be down there and uh, you can get the scoop on all of the upcoming projects. Thank you so much for Thank being on WA Expose. You're a treat. Thank you for having me. WA Expose is an independent production. Our artwork was created by Georgia Sassenfeld and our theme music is Corrosive by Aria Scarlett and M Burrows. You can find out more about the podcast or live shows at ariascarlet.com forward slash WA expose. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye, bye. See <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.